CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Uh, today's topic is thwarting threats to financial institutions, and our guests for today's show are Tom Peach, who is the CIO with Zurich North America Commercial. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good morning, Sanjay. How are you? I am just doing fine. So is life treating you well? <laughs> we're a little hectic this time of year, trying to close out, but uh, we're doing well, though. You know, I do not remember the last time I spoke to CIOs, and they said, no, I'm going out for a month-long vacation, and everything is beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah, they... they... <laughs> <laughs> that is quite uh, that is quite the fact. It's uh uh and you know that our work's never seasonal. It's it's just kind of a constant uh constant pressure. No, definitely God bless you. Enjoy the journey that you're having. Now we also have Michael Rosarchi who's the research director with IDC Financial Insights. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Hey Sanjog, how are you? Good to be with you and hi Tom, good to speak with you today. Hey Mike, how are you? Very good, sir. And- and are you going to give me that good answer that life is beautiful, you're enjoying? <laughs> of course it is. There's no other answer than uh, absolutely. You've got to enjoy. Uh, you've got to enjoy every minute, every day. Now, with that said, now we also want to enjoy our lives as well as well, well in, uh, as life as individuals, as an organization, and also the people who we are serving. Coming to financial institutions, as soon as financial institution word comes, people automatically connect threats, uh, risk, and other type of negative thoughts attached to it, and perhaps it is something which is which which comes with the baggage, or maybe we have earned that because most of the times we hear somebody uh, intruded into a financial institution, there have been risks created or there are threats. Let's start with you, Tom. What we are looking at, what's at stake today, whether it's online or financial institution working with customers in person, and you got at the same time compliances that you have to adhere to, which come from government. What is it that we have been doing so far, and still what is missing in order for because of which we still have this threat looming, and or we have that perception that financial institutions means there is a vulnerability. Well, uh, and and actually in the news, you know, when we hear about the the banking institutions and things like that taking. You know, continuing to get, uh, you know, fraud threats and those types of things continue to keep this topic in the, you know, it's, it's, it's being played extremely, you know, to a, to a lot of audiences and it's a, and it's a true threat. Um, let me, let me, I'll kind of give you the, the circumstance at least from the insurance field and at least the financial field. So there's a lot of pressure, right, from the public to move ourselves to, uh, uh, to much more of the social media, you know, Twitter and, Bring your own devices and those types of things, you know, you know, and it's a great, it's a great outlet to the public and to our consumers and their customers. But those, but they carry a real threat. You know, we're opening ourselves up to, uh, you know, to intrusions from all over. And again, it's not just from hacking intrusions, but it's, uh, you know, we're just opening new avenues for, you know, for people to, you know, to illegally, you know, get at our data. And, and, and Sandra, back to your question is what's really at stake is our personal reputation, you know, as a, as a financial institution. So how much, how much intrusion was really done with Bank of America or whatever? 
you know, if you really look at how much money was lost, probably nothing. But look how much of the personal financial reputation, I don't mean personal, but, you know, that, that corporate reputation is at stake of, of being able to secure uh, the information at hand. And that is, that's really the, that's what's really at stake. You know, it's, it's the consumer confidence, it's the, it's the, it's the consumer, uh, I mean, it's the corporate reputation that goes with it. And we're open on a lot of fronts now to, to try to close it down. That's the, uh, again, I want to make sure I at least answered that part of the question, and then we can get into what we're doing about it. Uh, if you'd like, I can hit that. Sure. Now, with that said, Mike, I come back to you because Tom mentioned that, yes, there may, may be uh, actual losses or maybe it is fewer losses, but the perceived uh, loss in the outside world or perhaps a goodwill loss is much more. So is it that we are living in paranoia as soon as we talk about financial institutions or are there real threats and there are real cases which has made this happen? Well, you know, Tom is right. There, there are real threats, and um, you know, one of one of the you know the biggest threats I think that many banks, uh, many regulated industries face today is the sort of the threat of the unknown. Right. You know, I think um, you know, do uh, you know, are, are security people sort of confident that they've closed off all specific vulnerabilities or that they understand them? Um, well, they might, but that's at a specific point in time. Um, I think the trick. Uh, or, um, you know, what's, what's sort of really needed in the industry is, you know, really the ability to predict and have better optics around where the next significant threat is going to come from and to, uh, and to be able to prepare for that. The industry in general, you know, the financial services industry spends a lot of money. They spend a ton of money, uh, on information security. They spend, uh, a lot of money on risk management in general. Some of the, uh, the research that we do here suggests that in if you think of, of security as a component of of enterprise risk management of the, that big broad discipline of risk management risk management represents about uh, between 70 and 80 billion dollars of hardware software and services and people uh, investment worldwide by the industry that's a, a fair amount of uh, about of money to, of money to spend on risk management related activities and within that uh the security industry the the security technologies the security people uh the services that keep banks uh secure is is a very large chunk it's about 20 billion dollars so when you, when you think of it from that perspective and you, you think about the uh, the level of comfort that bankers have around their security infrastructure and maybe what keeps uh chief information security officers up at night, you have to ask yourself, is that money, is what we're spending today sufficient to be able to predict where the next major security threat is going to come from, whether it's a social channel or whether it's some hacktivism activity? Is it sufficient? If it's not sufficient, really, what should we be spending? Where can we make our security investments more effective? Um, and really, what, what will it really take? in order to protect some of the things that Tom was talking about, the reputation of the industry, the productivity of the industry, and certainly uh, uh, protect the industry from monetary loss. Now, Tom, you, I'm sure, along with your crew, are trying to manage the risks, deter threats, and basically plug holes whenever they do get uh, drilled into an organization. And behind closed doors, talking to your executive management, what's the directive for you? Is it save my reputation? Save customers' data, 
save revenue loss or, or leakage, prevent leakages from the loss? And are there any conflicting priorities which makes your head spin? Well, <clears throat> I go back to the one thing that Mike had said, and he's, he's so right. Um, it's not a point in time solution. So all of the things that you had mentioned, Sanjog, was, you know, so when we look at the, uh, when we look at the threats, so, uh, if you think about it and kind of like the peeling the onion, the reputational risk is probably the, you know, the most para- the paramount thing. The smaller things, and I don't mean these being smaller, but, but the loss of data or the, the leakage pieces, they all contribute to the bigger, you know, to the, to the bigger deal of reputational risk and those types of things that come out of it. But I would go back to, you know, I'll tell you, in the last, hmm, I'd say the last 36 months, Zurich as a whole, Zurich Financial Services or Zurich Insurance Group now, as a whole, has really, uh, I think that, that the senior management all work in extreme tandem to, uh, uh, there's, there's not a lot of conflict. There's not, a, as a matter of fact, how do we take a much larger portion of our budget than we had three years ago and put towards these threats? So I guess what I'm trying to describe is, is that, you know, money's tight for a lot of things, but there's, but, uh, but we're certainly freeing it up, you know, to, to combat these types of threats. So I don't think that there's any controversy. I don't think that there's any, any give or take. I think the, the fact of the matter is, is back what Mike was saying is, we're, I think there's paranoia on our part because we don't know what's coming next. I mean, they, we get hit from a multiple, multitude of different angles. And I would say that that's really kind of the thing. So with that, it's kind of like, uh, you know the threat brings all the brings all the controversies together. In this particular case, I don't really have a lot. Like I said, uh, the the appropriations committees are pretty quick to to make sure that the that this that this funding level is intact. Does that make sense? No, it definitely does. At the same time, my question to Mike would be: Is what based on what Tom said that we do not know what's going to come next, and we totally agree that we we understand that. But if we make that open to the perpetrators or, or the people who actually uh, the ones uh, who are trying to intrude uh, into organization, aren't we kind of giving them a signal that these guys are anyways? Um, uh, what you call vulnerable, so make the most of it. So, and if they showcase that there is a lot of R and D going on, and we are going to deter, and we're going to, you know, fortify our organization so that nobody else comes and intrudes that easy, then that's a deterrent. So, should we kind of open up our dirty laundry and say, Mister Hacker, why don't you come and see what you can do, and then we'll figure out what to do with you? <laughs> I don't know if I would uh, prescribe that, but you know, there are. Sort of, um, there are examples of that, you know, and uh, in many forms there are, you know, these these concepts uh, that are referred to as honeypots, which are uh, environments that are put in place uh, by private enterprises and others uh, that have certain sets of technologies running in them that are used to draw uh, hackers to them, so that we can better understand. Um, the techniques and tools that uh, people that want to break through security are, are using today. So there are methods and processes and uh, some um, very much on the surface, others not, that uh, try to uh, get us ahead of the game, uh, game so to speak. But I, I think, you know, in general, when we think about security and we think about what we need to do or what firms like Zurich and others do and how they think about their investments in security, it's always balancing three things. You can think of it sort of as a, a pyramid. So there's there's a risk that is either identified or perceived or expected, right? 
And then there's a balance between that risk and convenience, okay? So to the extent we want to close down or mitigate that risk to a certain level, how will that impact convenience to employees, convenience to customers, convenience to partners on the products and services that we offer? And then the other part of it, it's risk, convenience, and cost. What are we going to spend and where are we going to, to put our dollars to best manage this risk but not in, impair the convenience or impose any inconvenience to our customers, our partners, and our, our employees? So I think when we think about our investments and, and really where we should be spending our money, there's always a decision or a balancing act that goes on between the risk that's in the market or perceived the convenience factor, how, we, how are we going to sort of affect or how will a specific security solution affect the products and services we put into the market from a convenience perspective and what's, what's going to cost us? You know, so I think, I think that balancing act is very, very important to, to carry out when we're thinking about risks and security investments. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, let's look at the confidence level of the IT and security leaders today Mm -hmm. so that they can sleep at night and take their two weeks vacation and still have the the IT and business humming. And frankly, IT is always looked at something which works the best when you do not have to call upon IT to fix something. Mm -hmm. So are we able to do the same when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, preventing the, the, the threats that we have and making financial institutions a little more sturdy? We'll explore that more when we come back. Please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, uh, Tom, when you want to sleep well at night... And there are so many factors that contribute towards that sleep. Uh, and in negatively, possibly, uh, the, the contribution can be from how confident you feel about the environment and what you've done and what you feel could be done given you had the resources, the time, or if you could control the speed of this bullet train, if you will. Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, as we talked about before, I'd say 36 months ago, um, we were probably infants, you know, and and probably didn't understand the uh, the extremities that could occur. 
uh, I would say 36 months into our journey of a pretty significant, and, and what we would talk about is probably a 20% increase of the total global budget for um, um, just for our security infrastructure. I would say that you know we're you know you're never comfortable at night. I mean, but at least you know that you've installed you know the the guard dogs. You know the guards are on the wall. You know constantly watching it. So before I, I guess we've moved from a from a, it's a bad word a, an ignorant stance or at least a, a uh, you know a um, you know a, a nubile type you know stance to one that we're aware. And I believe we've put enough things in the wall that I can at least sleep at night because I know that worldwide, at least you know, Zurich Insurance Group and I, and I, and all my peer group certainly in this are, are I believe are getting close to this. We have intrusion detection. We have teams. We have SWAT teams. We have, you know, we have hundreds of individuals that are kind of manning that wall, 24 by 7. So I feel better, you know, that a we can detect and correct. But you know, as Mike will mention, I, I think we're you know you're, we're under constant attack. So so it's uh, so I think we have the, the right amount of forces in place. But it, but again, it's it's just uh, what news going to come out. Now, uh, Mike, do you think that uh, Tom's group could be self-sufficient and be able to figure out what's next and then prepare for it, or there should be, uh, or organizations such as Tom's organization should be looking at outside agencies who would always keep them abreast of what's going on and maybe even help prepare better than what they can do themselves? Hmm. Well, I, I think I would, um, I would guess, and I, I don't know uh, Tom's uh, operation, but I would guess that Tom. Uh, or that Zurich is already using uh, external data or external um, services to help uh, identify security events that may affect their operation. As a matter of fact, most most financial uh, firms are using uh, services from third parties uh, that are monitoring, um, let's say, the IRC channel of the internet or monitoring specific IP addresses that have built profiles around attackers and hackers. That information is very, very, very valuable to um, using uh, using uh, Tom's uh, comment. Uh, very helpful to those that are watching the doors, uh, watching the entry points. Um, this is a, a big uh, a big part of the security uh, investment that we see going forward is the use of of not just enterprise data but data provided by third parties. Uh, to analyze sort of the analytic component associated with information security, to analyze what is really going on and to be able to get a better sense for a security of, uh, events that are, um, that are or may be uh, affecting the organization. Now, we see this as a growing trend, the, the growing use of analytics uh, to better predict and understand the security events. Uh, that's great. We see a growth in the services that are available to bankers and insurance companies and others to help them monitor security events, although we just completed a study at IDC, Financial Insights, which suggests that uh, a little more than half of um, the financial services industry feels that they are confident that they know every security event that has occurred in their organization over the past year. So there's a lot of room for improvement here in understanding security events, things that directly happen to the institution or that are happening outside the institution that may affect them. Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement there, but it is the right way to focus, the right place to be focusing uh, investments, one of the right ways to be focusing investment, in our opinion. 
Now, Tom, do you think everything that you could have done, you've done, and the successes that you've had, do you think you can say, I had an inventory of threats, I went through checking each one of those, and maybe I'm 90% there, 10% left, and when I'm done with those 10%, I'll wait for the next set of inventory, which would be offered to me. How do you, how do you even approach what you, what holes have you plugged? And or do you think if you plug one hole, then it creates another? Is there a regression issue? What is the type of landscape you're actually dealing with? Yep, yep. So we have a, uh, we basically have a, a security blue book that is. Um, so, but uh, back to, to Mike's statement and your your question, saying Jago and the person, absolutely external resources are a real key, and these to, to helping us um, figure out the intrusion capabilities, but also the remediation efforts that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. So we have a. You know, we have a uh, what we basically a blue book. You know, and it looks across the, you know, the entire you know application infrastructure, you know, internet landscape, and it basically applies a set of, you know, risk principles against them. We evaluate those. You know, we evaluate them, and then we apply action plans against them. And uh, and like I said, we've talked before, is that we're in a bit of a, you know, down the path of going after those plans. Um, we had a. Uh, we're in year two of what we call our data security initiative is where we take the blue book assessment. So the, the assessment was basically an audit, you know, worldwide audit across all of our regions. We mm. applied it to those principles of what we would believe are our uh, intrusion points or, or again, our soft spots in our, in our security infrastructure. And then we would apply the methodology to go against each one. And again, we have a, it's a pretty prescribed, um, um, you know, like I said, the manual that we would apply, and then and then it's kind of the SWOT analysis. Where's the weakness? Mm-hmm. Where's the uh, where's the, where you know clearly where's the next steps to go after it? We have another version coming in next year. So for our 2013 and 2014 is what's the next path? So again, it's a multiple wave. So it's a, like we've talked about, it's a continued process, but it's a it's a pretty decent. Um, it's a it's a pretty decent view and program of how we're attacking it. It's not a it's not kind of a whack a mole type situation here. It's a it's definitely a, a a fairly determined procedure that we're going after. Now, what what uh, Tom you just mentioned uh, that you have a blue book and that's what you use. So now, at any given time, I'm sure there are a bunch of applications being written. Infrastructure has been overhauled and or enhanced. So the blue book could be a snapshot of what you think or or whosoever created that blue book uh, as the vulnerabilities that could potentially exist and these are the checklists that you should abide by. But then if there is an evolution and two fronts, one, the very threats could be evolving. On the other side, your own infrastructure and your application and your systems are also changing. So does that snapshot approach really work effectively or do you think there could have been a better dream solution that you think if it was available, it would work better. Yeah, I don't think. I, I think that the, you know, the one piece that we have to take away, it's it's certainly the journey. It's still a marathon, so you know, so we will always have. I mean, we do our quarterly intrusion, not even quarterly. I mean, we just do the quarterly audits of how we're applying it. So, absolutely, what you're saying, Sanjog, is occurring. I mean, we have people, we have you know, constantly new threats and those types of things. And whenever something comes into play, we'll go back and do the checklist against our most. And again, we prioritize our applications too, right? So we have we have some applications that are priority applications that get the constant, you know, view audit check that type of thing. Um, and then we have some that aren't as key, you know. So again, we're constantly evolving it. We absolutely agree with the statement and believe in the fact that this is not a 
a point in time. I think our blue book is is one that uh, that also gets updated annually to make sure that we've incorporated new you know new types of threats and, and opportunities as well. So I, I, I would it's definitely it's definitely a a consistent constant evolution of you know checking you know remediation you know whatever the case is. All right. So Mike, uh, based on what. Uh Tom's group is doing in order, in order the way their blue book is working and other things. Is there an ideal state and or a benchmark that you would like every financial institution to look up to and strive to get there? That that you know final nirvana, if you will. <laughs> and if there was one, then what would that be? At least there has to be something that we're working towards versus always playing catch up. Yeah. Well, I think the industry in general has a, a lot of opportunities to work together to figure those things out. I mean, um, um, uh, it, you know, is there a standard uh, for uh, information security and financial services? There are a lot of standards. Is the the bottom the bottom line? In a matter of fact, uh, for about seven years, I was uh, I was uh, the chairman of an ISO committee, one of the ISO committees that uh, built standards for information security, specifically for the financial services industry. So there are many standards and standards that have been, and many of them are technical and business process standards. Uh, some of them are international, like they come to us from um, uh, the International Standards Organization, ISO, or they come to us from uh, national bodies uh, like ANSI uh, here in the U.S., or they come from uh, what I would call sort of non-standards organizations, but they are consortia that look to drive uh, some level of standardization and consistency uh, across the industry. And, and in that area, you could point to organizations like uh, the Financial Services Roundtable, who uh, represent, uh, they're in Washington, they represent uh, a, whole, a whole set of banks, insurance companies, asset management firms, and they work uh, constantly, uh, consistently on trying to move the industry toward a set of uh, technical and process standards that uh, uh, will help the industry manage risk. So I think there are a lot of standards, uh, I think, out there. There are standards that are built by some very, very uh, bright and uh, bright people, and I think... Uh, it's really those industry consensus-based standards that I think all institutions uh, should look to and to uh, look to build into their operation, into their blue books. And I'm sure uh, Tom's uh, book has a number of standards they point to, whether they're from ANSI or ISO or even NIST, um, uh, has a number of very technical, very, very well-vetted standards on topics like uh, the application of public key cryptography or the use of encryption or identity management or intrusion detection or risk assessment or privacy assessments, things like that. So there, I think there are a lot of standards out there that, uh, that banks can avail themselves to. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Tom, I'd like to ask you about the insider threats because, of course, external threats, everybody is well aware and, of course, work towards because that creates news. But there are a lot of internal issues that may be happening which may not get on the news, but, frankly, it does cause issues. And that, of course, keeps you up at night, I'm sure. So what is it being done internally as a process, as people, and technology deployment in order to make sure that not only you're saving yourself from outsiders, but also some malintended insiders. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. All right, welcome back, and let's talk about the insider threat. So, Tom, of course, you have to work with whatever is public and whatever outside threats that you, uh, you know, receive. However, there are people who would morph, not at the time of hiring, but somehow, somehow someone gets greedy and, and creates those issues. If we could, could we, you know, kind of inventory what type of insider threats could even be seen and and what is that you do differently or more in order to prevent those because they could be far more harmful exactly so let's a couple of examples let you know to make sure we're we're talking about the same stuff here is that so the biggest threat is what you know ip intellectual property theft you know and that so that's that's one category we deal with we also deal with you know true um you know data and statistics and things like that we certainly in the uh, you know, we've never really had too much actual, you know, felony fraud type stuff. It is more around, you know, again, the IP theft and data theft and those types of things that are, and I, and I will tell you back to our current topic, I mean, it is, we find that to be much more prevalent than we have from the external issues. I, I mean, uh, so uh, we, we we just deal with it on a day-to-day basis. We're a huge organization. So, so organizations that you're dealing with, you know, Zurich, Insurance Group has over 60,000 employees. So you're right. You're going to have pockets of, or you're going to have, you know, one-off situations where you're you're going to have people leave. So, and really, how have we been combating it? So, so the best thing we can do, um, again, is how do we lock down the corporate asset? How do we lock down the laptops? How do we lock down, you know, everything from, you know, mail monitoring and and things like that? So we have, you know, we've put software in place. You know, that will, uh, well, first of all, we've locked down things such as encrypted keys, encrypted hard drives, and things like that for loss or theft of actual property, right? Um, you know, so, so if someone does, you know, steal your laptop or it breaks into your car or whatever the case is, those things are encrypted. That's really important. But let's go back to the theft part that somebody internal has. So we, so again, our idea is, is let's encrypt, you know, let's close down all the, you know, USB ports the best we can. Let's put encryptions around, uh, you know, you know, drives, inventory control. It's a, it's a, it's been a big deal for us. Just recently, you know, as the, as the competitive field continues to get, we lose more and more people. So how are we making sure that they're not pushing spreadsheets, you know, to unauthorized mail? So again, we've put software around those types of things, just to keep an eye on anomalies and those types of things that are in play. But it is, uh, 
it has been a real new initiative for us to, to, I mean, it's been on our plate, but again, as we continue to see a competitive landscape with personnel and stuff like that, we've just seen a lot more instances of how do we keep an eye on that. So so we're still combating it. And again, if I were to give you where am I in the evolution, eh, we still got a ways to go. You know, I, I mean, I think that we can, we're reactive. How do we get more proactive? And that's the mode that we're in. Now, one is to plug the holes when we do see them. Mike, proactively, do we know what causes these insider threats? It's just that suddenly a person becomes greedy or they're not treated well or there are some other vulnerabilities that get exposed to the inside worlds and they try to automatically encash on it. What what has been the source typically? Seen? I think I think a lot of it has been more. Um, so, so most of the instances that I've dealt with here have been more of a, an employee transition. So somebody's leaving. You know, so before, you know, it's a, there's a period in time before they're going to go. We're getting, uh, you know, a couple of months before we'll see activity, uh, anomaly activity of a bunch of email accounts sending them out to, uh, you know, to a non-registered account to their personal email, stuff like that. So we'll see that as a deal. But, but again, back to the point is, is that they're, they're leaving because of the, the competitive environment that I think, uh, that this industry is getting ready to, is in, but I think it's going to get a little bit bigger. So that's how I've seen it, and it, and um, and we again we can usually track the anomaly activities. It's and you know I mean you're always going to you know every organization I don't know what the turnover rate is. I you know I think Zurich as a whole is between two and three percent of turnover. Well, you know it's sixty thousand people. That's a lot of people that are in and out. And I will also tell you that there's been a big education piece that we do, and I think the industry is doing it is what is company property presentations and data things that you might have put together as an employee of Zurich is, does not mean that that's your personal stuff, you know. And so some people will just try to take a cadre of stuff to their next to their next jobs and say, eh, you know, that's a great, it's a great presentation. It's got some good stuff. I can always reuse the content or at least the format. And eh, you can't do that, you know. So we, we're trying to educate. We have a lot of education programs here, you know, that, you know, that annually we put all of our employees, uh, you know, attend. So it's education. Some of it is truly malicious some of it you know can be somewhat pretend and you know innocent but uh, but that's kind of what we deal with now tom when you got to get money because of course it folks are known to to do more with less or sometimes more with nothing or been asked to do so and when it comes to security with no pun intended it's seen as sometimes that selling insurance right when when we are dealing with such scenario and every organization is different though, what do you see as the major uh, selling point for you to sell uh, the projects which would fortify the organization? Because you could always say, "I want to secure this more," and they will say, "How much security is enough for us?" Yeah. So the media is the best is my best salesperson when it comes to it. So each year when we go to the appropriations pieces, I mean it's it's. Uh, it's easy to point um, because it's a nebulous situation. It's you know we have to take uh, statistics and things like that into account to say you know what we have to have a percentage of our budget, no matter whether we've ever had an intrusion or not. We have to put that out. And so the media things that go in, such as the bank intrusions and you know the you know all the, the all the various hacking type of things, they all work to our benefit. And again, I, I don't mean to make it seem like uh, it's a hard sale. 
but but it's easy for us um and 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 also you have to realize is that you know the financial institution is again I go back to the reputational risk if you start taking dings at that it's hard to recover i mean it's hard for the public to you know to regain their trust in that so rather than having to regain it let's not lose it and so there are a couple of the buzzwords that we are actually use when we go to get the money that we need to have and i'll tell you it hasn't been yeah, it's always a chore to get any type of any type of major capital funding, but it's not as bad as as one would think. Now, uh Mike, do you think uh the organizations are getting their fair share of funding to uh fortify their institution or do you think there are some gaps? Well, it's not what they're telling us. Um when we look at the uh we talk to bankers and we talk about the top challenges to IT security, the top three that come out of those discussions, and this has been pretty consistent over the last uh, few uh, few years, is is budget, lack of budget, management support, and uh, sophistication of threats. Those are the top security security challenges. And even just recently, we we ran a couple of events, and we talked specifically about security um, relative to uh, simply satisfying regulation. So put the business requirement aside just for a moment and think about um, what is required security-wise just to meet specific regulations. And bankers are telling us that, um, you know, um, that 50, over half of bankers suggest that uh, their budgets are not sufficient to just simply meet uh, the regulatory requirement. So, um I think, you know, I think the way Tom describes it is, is exactly uh, accurate. The media is, uh, certainly provides uh, a lot of support to increase uh, security budgets. But what we're seeing also is uh, a, a trends that suggest that security is being built in. Security is being built into more uh, new business uh, ideas, processes, and technologies. Um, that these budgets, the budget dollars, they might not be as big as uh, what the uh, security folks might feel they need, but there seems to be much more of a proactive uh, approach by executive management to ensure that there are specific security carve-outs or carve-ins to major business plans, major technology investments to address everything, uh, all, all of the all of the issues relative to security. We see. We see that in some investments also, for example, uh, when new software is developed to support a business. Uh, we see uh, a lot of investment in the technologies that can test software to make sure that all the appropriate holes and, and traps are closed or at least known before the software is introduced into a production environment. Another example would be, you know, many bankers are investing uh, quite a bit in the mobile channel right now, as I'm sure everyone knows. Um, we, you know, you don't see a mobile banking or uh, mobile payments, for example, project moving forward without a, a, a significant uh, security component accompanying it. So this whole concept of building security in, I think, has gotten a lot of traction and has gained a, a fair amount of momentum, I would say, over the past uh, three or four years, which is a uh, which is, a, I think, a very, very, very good sign. Tom, you must be always confronted with situations that, on one hand, you're trying to, of course, battle these threats. On the other hand, business wants to move ahead and be more competitive and get ahead of the competition. And so they come back with that, I want to do this and that and the other innovation. And innovation could introduce risks. 
can you have the immunity to say no wait till i have my current set of functionality that i'm delivering and capability that i'm delivering secure before i take on your next new brightest idea and run with it yeah it's a challenge um <clears throat> and i think that there's a balance i mean we'd absolutely get uh, we get a lot of requests um third party service requests and things like that that wouldn't meet the um you know, our security standards, especially cloud-based, some of the cloud-based offerings, you know, software as a service, those types of things are, are buzzwords that our business sees and some of the, the huge benefits that would come from them. We have to temper it. I don't think it's a, I think it's more of a, I think it's a tempering rather than you can't do it. Let's, let's figure out how the way to get there. But it, but, you know, our business partners are definitely, um, they're definitely feeling the pressure to 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 stay up, you know, to to be in the mainstream of technology and and uh, and offering the latest to to our customer base. So so it's always a challenge. I don't that that, that was the piece. It's a challenge, but we can temper it. I think that it's a. Uh, mm, I think we're I think we're dealing with it okay. So would you, Tom, suggest any specific things an organization's leader could do, and especially the IT leader when they're confronted with similar requests, that they are able to not really have to say no, they could actually be going through a set of steps and somehow keep that person or that group which is trying to get the next level of innovation going and, and let them feel warm and fuzzy and at all times not jeopardize uh, the very integrity of the organization from a security standpoint. Yeah, it's 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 uh, basically proactive. Uh, you know, it's it's having the proactive vision or strategy in place with your senior management. I mean, they're always moving uh, to places faster than than uh, than we could be. But it's also instead of having the reactive discussion with them of ah, eh, you can. It's you know, especially in you know in Zurich and and and, and some of the my other uh, my other contact points. The idea is to is to have the educational sessions all along the path, you know. So it's not just a, not an answer when they ask for it. It's where are the sessions, where are the proactive discussions with your business partners to talk about why before they ask for it. So, and I'll go back to our discussion. The whole security alignment and the funding and those types of things, mm-hmm. it needs to be a joint business and IT discussion that comes out of it. And I think those things, and, I, and I've worked hard to do that, and it helps me a little bit because they don't think that I'm defensive you know, with some of the things. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the influence management aspect of handling security because we are not only trying to secure the fort just by leveraging our own team but also have to be a pipe piper, take the business users along because they themselves could be responsible for how they have to create a secure environment even though we give them guidelines they may not follow. So what is it that we have to do as a magic? And this question is going to be for you, Mike, is what you see organizations doing who are more successful in building a secure environment than others? What do they do as IT leaders and IT workers do with the business users to create that influence and create that culture? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. All right, Mike. Uh, the question again is culture and influence management. Who takes the baton and leads building the culture where people do what they're supposed to do, follow the guidelines, and by the very nature of everybody working towards a common goal, create a secure environment for a financial institution? Well, I think, um, you know, it's a great question, and it's one that uh, I think the industry continues to uh to try to come up with the right answer for, um, I think the bottom line is it's uh, it's one of those tone from the top issues. You know, the CIO or the, the head of a specific line of business needs to really understand, uh, clearly understand risks uh, associated with the type of business that they're in and needs to create a, uh, a culture, an environment within the organization that empowers every uh, level of management and staff empowers them to be able to, you know, identify with these risks and uh, take necessary actions and, and procedures to to make uh, the enterprise more secure, influence the security culture in any way they can. So I think it certainly starts it starts uh, from the top of the organization and makes its way through. I mean, every person, every employee in a financial institution, bank, insurance company, whatever, has a responsibility to manage risks, uh, specific risks of the organization. Some of them are specific to information security. Some of them are specific to other aspects of the organization. So, you know, security and risk management is in, it's got to be in everyone, every employee's. It actually has to be in a customer's DNA also. And uh, so everyone sort of has a role, and it starts certainly with a strong, a voice and tone for the top. For many years, you know, people felt that information security was an IT responsibility, and it clearly, uh, it clearly is not. One of the things that we uh, we see organizationally, uh, a bit of a change, uh, is the security function reporting, uh, the reporting of the security function. The security function we're seeing in some large institutions uh, now reporting over to the CFO. Uh, of the organization, the person, the the guy or gal that's actually controlling the purse strings in many ways. And we think that's a healthy shift because it allows sort of the, the CFO to sort of understand both the 
the but certainly the budget associated with security, but also the costs associated with not <coughs> investing in the right uh, security approach, standards, technologies, or whatever. So, you know, we'll see this this reporting um, line probably shift and change over time, but we're very interested to see how successful, uh, more successful a security function can be by presenting both the cost of security and the cost of not pursuing security uh, initiatives through a CFO channel in the organization. Tom, when it comes to accountability and authority, these two have to go hand in hand. Are you willing to get your hand slapped for a business user not following the policies and guidelines and which in turn causes an internal and or external threat to the institution? Uh, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a direct tough question. I would say, uh, yes. I mean, I think that that's part of the, you know, some of the things we talked about. That's why the impetus of the, the alignment and the budgets and those types of things to put them in place. If there's an intrusion that gets through, internal or external, I mean, they're, you know, sure the, the person that did it will go after, but, but the ultimate, you know, what's the root cause is going to come back and land on my desk. You know, and that that is the ultimate. So, so, and exactly the way you put it, um, I think sums up really kind of sums up the the impetus, you know, around the the need to have it. And so, so that's why it's, you know, we talked about it. It, it used to be an IT thing. Now we have to get it. As Mike said, we've got to get it further in the organization. It just can't be a Tom Peach issue. It needs to be a, it needs to be a, a whole senior leadership, you know, and you know, have them have some culpability. But if it actually happens, it's going to land on my desk, and uh, it's going to be my responsibility to clean it up. So I've got to be proactive against it. Now, if you were to really try to say, you know what, well, I'll support this, but it has to be a joint responsibility, and do you think not exactly your organization per se, but across organizations, would they really willingly say, yes, I, as if I don't have enough risk and or other things that I'm dealing with, I also take on something which I've got no control over? Well, it could also be the case that you don't have complete control over every business user that out there was creating internal and external threat, but then you're the ones who are holding the bag. And it's not to kind of uh, put you on a spot, but bottom line is if this is a joint loss, which could we could incur because of issues that happen, why this is not a joint responsibility. And if it has, it has to be made a joint responsibility. Does it, again, the onus lies on the IT leader to make that sell job to the rest of the management to make that happen that way? I, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult question because there's different spectrums of organizations out there. So if I were to talk about... Zurich as a whole, you know, Zurich Insurance Group as a whole, I would say that it's a little clearer because of the, the nature of our business and the, the nature of the importance of reputational risk and those types of things in Zurich. But as you, as you described it, you know, as we look across the entire landscape, it becomes extremely difficult to have the one sole responsibility, especially if you don't have the complete buy-in. So again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question. Um, um, I think the importance is there, but but for the for the one IT guy to to own it all, I mean, trust me, the senior management will see it as that, and it's our job to make sure that you know it's it's all of us in this fight together, not just us. So it's a, it's a, I don't I don't know if I can, uh, you know, it's more of opinion based, you know, at this point is that it's it, that's probably one of the toughest battles we deal with, and it's not just in the security; it's across the whole IT investment, right? Phone use and things like that. So it's a, it's a difficult proposition. I don't know if I can, again, I have the Zerk purview, 
across the industry, I think it's more difficult depending on the alignment of the business back into the problem. All right. 30 seconds for you, Mike. Very quickly, give me three top items that you would suggest to the rest of the organization, excluding IT leader, that they should do in order to support the IT leader in making a financial institution secure. Well, I think the first thing would be to make sure you understand and can identify all your uh, all your security assets. Make sure you know what they are, where they are, how much they're costing you, and how effective they are. That would be uh, that would be one thing. Second thing I, I I think would be really try to understand uh, the extent to which your security infrastructure supports some well vetted uh, standards and best practices in the, in the industry. Make sure that you have a good network of security experts inside your organization uh, and outside of the organization to share views with, to share ideas, to learn. The third thing I would strongly suggest is when you think about information security, uh, I think you need to, again, stay ahead of the curve. And one of the things we see many leading organizations doing right now is really building centers of excellence or innovation centers around uh, security approaches, practices, and technologies so that they can stay ahead of stay ahead of not only the threats, but also stay ahead in some ways of some of the new business ideas that their business partners uh, might be coming up with. So those are three things I would recommend. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Tom and Mike. Uh, This is an interesting and a really important area. Our lives are connected to it. And kudos to all the leaders out there who are trying to make this happen and create a secure haven for all people who interact with a financial institution. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, if you have any questions or thoughts, please send us to views at CIOtalkradio.com. That is views at CIOtalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.